We're joined today by United States Congressman Mike Bost. Mike, thanks for the time. Well, thank you for having me on, Will. Well, lots to get to today. Let's uh, begin with the crisis in Ukraine. What uh, briefings are you receiving as a member of uh, Congress in regard to that situation? We have had several briefings and continuous briefings, but then also a few classified briefings. Obviously, I can't tell you everything that we know. However, we also had the meeting last week with Zelensky, who actually was on the big screen in what's known as the SCIF auditorium, where both House and Senate can meet together. That's where we have our classified meetings. But we had him on the big screen. Everybody saw that, you know, worldwide. So it wasn't anything hidden away there or anything like that. So we heard from him and his plea for one, MiGs, two, control of the airspace, then other weapons. We are sending him tremendous amount of weapons and specialty weapons as well. I've signed on on everything from that. I've also requested in no uncertain terms that we provide the MiGs or allow Poland to provide the MiGs. And so it's been one meeting after another on this issue. There are some classified things that are going on as well. But remember, the difference is, is we want to stop all escalation from Putin and we want to do it as quick as possible because what this looks like is exactly what Hitler did. And we can't let history repeat itself in that way. But we've also got to be balanced about it because one thing Hitler didn't have, he didn't have a nuke. Putin has nukes. We need to make sure that what we do, we do wisely. And that, that's right where we're at. So, I think the difficulty for both elected officials and the general American public, we see these atrocities. And, of course, you don't want to kick off World War III, but at the same time, you almost feel like you have a moral responsibility to try to stop it. And, and That's take- exactly right. And right now, with the attacks from last night uh, on a mall and last night on uh, another hospital, another theater where people were trying to hold up in from my understanding is there's nine more war crimes that occurred overnight that we that you know the world knows and and it is just continuing so the question is how do we try as we try to provide them with the support that they need to stop them we can't let this as far as i'm concerned crazy man war criminal continue to threaten us to the point that if he's going to do it anyway, where do we finally find that line? Or how do we maybe use another opportunity to use our intelligence to take care of the issue in other ways? And, you know, we've got the sanctions. I'm supporting all of those. we got to shut down it completely. But we've also got China that's trying to help him out. That's a problem. Yeah, it certainly is a problem. And one thing that I don't fully understand and maybe never will how do people like Poland, how did Germany and these other states, I know they've been all for the sanctions and these things, but are are they having these same conversations? I don't read yeah. European news. And, and let me tell you, as much as I've watched him, and I think a lot of this by our own president has been a failure because of a sign of weakness. He is going over to meet with them right away. He's headed over this week to try to encourage everyone to be on the same page. The problem is he's been leading from behind. Now he's going to go over and make a show. He should have been over there beforehand. He should have also had the sanctions in way ahead of time as this buildup was occurring. Not Always behind. That's the problem. We're always behind. Understand that you have 
certain allies that have joined in in support of this more than we ever had before. You've had Switzerland. Switzerland's never been involved in anything, and they took a position on it. So to be a nation right there, most of them are in support of Ukraine and also are trying to do everything they can because they do see it as a possibility that it will be on their back step tomorrow, you know, so the concerns they have. Now, I want to talk about something that it maybe isn't the most convenient thing to talk about, but is one of the problems here that until this invasion of Ukraine, Ukraine was considered to be a rather corrupt country governmentally. Is that at all at this point still a part of the conversation? No, no I, I, here's the thing. Understand why you can say Ukraine was a corrupt country. I visited Ukraine in 1999. I think that was the year I was there uh, the first time uh, as a state legislator. And we had 19 nations joining in a war games there in Ukraine to send a message to Russia that we were united. Okay. Now, while we were over there, bribery, because we were actually had missed our window for flight out and we had to pay an extra $500 to a, a government official to be able to get our window of opportunity to fly our plane out that is and whenever i ask about that then i said what you know they said look mike they put they were part of russia that's the only thing they knew so you can say that well oh there's corrupt leaders and everything like that but is that corrupt leader and the corruption that occurs something that was instilled in them because of the fact that they were a spinoff of russia that's highly possible that's more than highly possible so to make that judgment call and say, well, you know what, there probably wasn't real good leaders in there, so let's just let all their people die under the blast of, of another corrupt leader. No, 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 no. They are trying desperately, and you can see this in their leader, that, that he has shown more backbone than our leader, to tell you the truth. He's out there standing up, and for the people that say, oh, no, that was corrupt, that are, those are people that are that are being informed by bad news uh, and wrong news and false news on the Internet, which you can always get. And unfortunately, that's what makes it very, very difficult in my job when people come up to me and go, oh, well, I heard on the Internet that no, no, Will, that these are people that need our help. There's a reason we need to keep it over there. We need to advance and, and help them every way we can, because if not, when I hear people say, well, I don't know whether Putin's really that bad. Well, get used to it. He's bad. He's really, really bad. And he is getting worse by the day, and we are empowering him by not showing strength ourselves. Well, there's no question that, you know, Putin is a war criminal at this point, and he's a uh, person that is just randomly slaughtering innocent Ukrainians. And I think that uh, Zelensky has done an amazing job, and the people have proven themselves to be very, very tough. But you know, the point that I was making was certainly a part of the conversation early on. It is, anyway. and I'm glad, I'm, I am so glad you brought it up because I do hear this. And when I've heard it, I'm like, where does that come from? And, and one of them that's telling it is a talk show host on Fox News, and that's Tucker Carlson. And I'm going to tell you, he's the only one on Fox News that says it. But it's not, is there and have there been bad things in their government? Yeah, because they're a newly formed government that, that came, that's been off from Russia. But... To say, to have a, just turn your backs on these people that are that have been attacked for no reason. Of course, you remember, I and Trey, my wife, have a kind of a of interest in this as well. Because remember, four years ago, 
Anastasia was our exchange student that lived with us for a year. She is right there in a town about 40 kilometers, 50 kilometers from uh, Kiev. And so I, we all know people over there. And most people do. And, and they're just good people wanting to be a free nation and have an elected form of government. But they did. You know, their elections were not rigged by any means, not like Russia. Uh, you, and, and obviously they respect their leader. They're proving that over and over again because if they didn't respect their leader and their country, they would have walked. Well, there's no doubt that Putin must be feeling to some extent weak, and that may have been the reason why he held the giant rally the other day to show uh, sort of the opposite of what he's feeling. Sure, a giant rally where people are forced, not openly with gunpoint, but knowing it's similar to gunpoint, for people to be in the streets. In, in support of something that they don't that they've been given false information on and that's the problem with the propaganda that exists you know yeah it's it's a very difficult situation you know one of the other things that I think about you know the D Drudge report has a big headline this morning plot to poison Putin obviously uh, I think a lot of people would be happy if he left the scene but then you know what happens to Sure. Russia thereafter, and so yeah, we've we've learned we've learned that over the years. We we learned that with Anwar Gaddafi and and different ones over the years. It's better to deal with the devil you know than the devil you don't. And of course, you know? not not to say that we shouldn't be doing everything we're doing. It's just in the totality of the conversation, these sure. are all things that, as a member of Congress, I'm sure the military leaders are these talking are, about. These are all things that are discussed. Who, if all of a sudden there is a coup in Russia, what, where does it come from? All of this is intelligence that you try to keep track of. Also, any movements of other things, conversations between Russia, uh, Putin, and other, other leaders that might be in support of them. You said right off the start, we don't want to have World War III, but he keeps rattling the sabers and almost forcing the hand of people to have to come and get involved. But one thing that is positive, if there's anything positive came out of this, is we have been able to see how weak, except for the fact that they have nuclear power, how weak the Russian army actually is. Remember, they've expended and put out about one-third of their forces, if not better now, and, and are increasing, and they're not gaining ground into a country that is about the size of, of a mid-sized state uh, in the United States. And so... We know who has the biggest forces, and Russia doesn't have the biggest forces. And what's really wild is a lot of people think that America is the one, the United States is the one that has the largest forces. No, we don't. We're about, we're, we're third. India is larger than us, and China is way larger than anybody as far as their military personnel. And so all of these things have to be taken into thought. Now, let me tell you, we have the best military because we have the best technology. That being said, the big fear is, is Russia has stolen a lot of that technology, and they have it now. Well, and the other difference is, is it's generally my perception that the Russian soldier and perhaps the Chinese soldier is more of a conscript, somebody who is likely forced into service right. in that way. Right. Many, and, many of your Russian soldiers uh, that have moved over the border they say they, they don't have the will to fight, per se, and especially when they were trapped in that caravan, didn't have the will to fight because they didn't know where they were going. And, and let me tell you, the people of Ukraine, that's like fighting their, their own brothers and sisters. You know, that's where the, a lot of the trouble comes in. 
Yeah, no doubt. It's always difficult to fight on somebody else's territory, and especially when you're fighting in the streets that their where their homes are. I mean, right, because right. there's a there's a passion there and, that exists. So, and we are of the technological age that you you strategically plan, or we do. If we're in a battle with someone, we find out where their supplies are for their fighting, where their leadership is. And you take strategic targets and hit those, you don't hit civilian. Matter of fact, we're, we, we took that civilian casualties occur, but they occur on, on a sideline. Not now. Russia is just pounding civilian targets every day, every hour. And it's amazing. And, and, and it's, they have no care whatsoever, whether it's women or children or elderly. It just they, They're just bombing them and pounding them. It, it, it's so sad because it is just a repeat of what Hitler did. So in your perspective, is there anything that we haven't done yet that we need to do? We need to make sure that we, and I hope that we can get the conversation going, to make sure that everybody in the world implements those sanctions against Russia. Unfortunately, China just snubbed their nose at us and told us that they aren't going to, that they pled and fled to be with Russia on this, and it has nothing more to do except for the fact that that Xi wants to see how this plays out to see what he can do to Taiwan. And so, as as we move forward, we're going to continue. As I said off the start, I'm supporting uh, everything as far as the uh, the boats to make sure that the the weapons are being provided at the level they can. Problem is, is try to get them as fast as we can. The other things we need to do is monitor it. And if they cross a line, then we've got to make another decision. But the thing is, we have to have a line, and then we have to have a president that has the backbone to make a decision. The way this should work is the president should come to Congress and say, here's what I plan to do. I need your vote in support of it. But we haven't got that. We, in in turn, are sending him things saying, we want you to do this, 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 or this, and... That's not the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to work the other way, where the president comes and acts, takes a leadership position and then asks us to approve it, and that's not happening. Congressman Mike Bost with us today. We're discussing the situation in Ukraine. Uh, I'll quickly turn the topic back to Illinois for a moment. Yep. I always uh, like to get your perspective on some state issues. This particular one I read this morning from uh, Capital Facts, Apparently, the uh, House Democrat leader Welch revealed to his members over the weekend a poll done by Democrats that showed uh, Richard Irvin leading J.B. Pritzker by nine points and Darren Bailey leading uh, J.B. Pritzker by four points in the Chicago suburbs. Um, Sort of a shocking uh, poll, even in a year that we thought was going to be good for Republicans. Well, let me explain, explain this. If there's any, like our president, our governor has ter- has done everything bad. I'm sorry, everything bad. I'd like to say, oh, he did this, this was good. Oh, that was good. No, he's done everything bad. And because of that, what people are saying is, is you know, the only sign, and, and, and I don't want to say this on the station, but everybody sees the signs, uh, that it, it, whether it's Republican, Democrat, or Independent, and it's not only here, but it's around the state, you can see them in everybody's yards, and that's a sign that says Prixler, and it has a derogatory statement after that on the sign. So, you know, it is a case where his popularity is in, 
is in the tank. So whoever's running on the Republican side, um, you know, has a chance. Now, remember this, and, and this is what the voters that are in your my voting district and your listening area need to know. We know this from Bill Brady's run. We knew it before Bill Brady's run. Though you win every county downstate, Cook County, you've got to walk out with 17 to 22, 23% if you're going to win. So that's a big question. Now, remember, the collar counties were, were Republican before, uh, and, and over the years, they've changed because of social issues, abortion, things like that. However, there's some key issues right now that are affecting this race statewide and nationwide as far as the Democrats are concerned. <clears throat> the suburban people who might believe in abortion and uh, those things that, that we wouldn't hear in the South or Second Amendment and things like that, let me tell you the things that they do they are frustrated about. They see the fact that the Democrats don't want you to be able to go in and control what's happening and be able to talk to your school boards and actually have input in the education of your children. They've proved that. They also want to defund the police. They've proved that. They have taken all of these issues, and those issues are hitting home with those suburban men and women, of the, the fact that they have their children at home and the concerns they have as crime moves from downtown Chicago out into the suburbs. That has a lot to do with this. And the fact that this administration has done nothing, as also the way they've handled COVID, people are tired of it. And a lot of it will have to do with just diminished turnout on the Democratic side. I mean, that's oh, yeah. that's that's what drives those numbers. It's what beat Pat Quinn um, when Rauner ran against him in right. 14. Um, right. But in any case, uh, U.S. Congressman Mike Bost with us. Uh, Mike, I don't have anything else. Do you? Uh, just I want to let people know that, you know, we're trying to deal with all of these issues. And, and I appreciate the support and the friendship out there. And, and uh, I know that uh, people had a good time this last weekend in Murfreesboro with the with the uh, um, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, but, you know, these are the issues that we're dealing with. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about them.